Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. This woman is an animal, and that's a good thing. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week we are looking at Trigger Girl 6 Justice, a two-issue series put up by Jimmy Palmiotti. He did a Kickstarter for it earlier this year. Uh, it's part of, uh, I guess it's like he's his 22nd successful Kickstarter. I believe that's the number. And uh, it is a continuation of a character he created years ago for a book called Creator-Owned Heroes that came out through Image. And basically 10 years later, he decided to revisit the character. And before you and I get into it, Petula, I just want to play a clip of an interview I did with Jimmy Palmiotti during the campaign where he kind of lays out the history, the reasoning, uh, why he co-created this character with Justin Gray and uh, Phil Noto and why he decided to come back and tell another story with uh, Juan Santa Cruz. So let's take a listen to that right now. You know, so I have these a lot of these characters that I've worked on and created and co-created with Justin and Phil Noto and all these guys. And, you know, there's only so much time in a day. And plus, you know, doing Kickstarters takes a lot of work. So I always wanted to do some more with the character, but the idea or the timing just didn't stick. And um, I wasn't able to get Phil Noto and Phil's working for Marvel now and yada, yada, yada. So um, I did have an idea and I talked to Juan Santa Cruz, who is my guy. I use him on a lot of things like Painkiller Jane and we did the resistance together and uh, I talked to him and I see, and I asked him if he'd be up for, I think this, the book total is around 60 something pages because it's in two comics when you get back to Kickstarter. Um, but I talked to him and, he, and he's like, yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. It's like, if I have an idea for character, a new character, I do it. If I have an idea for an existing, like I've done over the years, painkiller Jane a couple of times. Um, and the trigger girl one was something that I was like, I don't know if you noticed lately, um, there's a lot of environmental news in the news. And, um, you know, they like to keep us busy with politics because it keeps our brain out of the depressing things that are going on, like the planet getting hotter. Obviously, we can't avoid that Avoid that right now because uh, I think when I go to Vegas at one point in the next two weeks and it's and it's 117 there. And I don't I don't even know what that is. Like, what is 117 like? I figure that's like when you take your chicken out of the oven and you, it's like that. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, you know, um, I live down in Florida and we watch, um, I'm watching people with boats and jet skis killing, killing uh, uh, manatees and dolphins and whales are striking back now. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening with animals. Like uh, there, there's uh, there's whole like, areas that are infected with infestations of different bugs that they never had and it's because the whole world's out of balance and um that's been like weighing on my mind i read so much it's probably not healthy for me after a while because you read so much that you can't do anything about except donate here and there which i do um but anyway and i'm a huge lover of animals cats dogs birds i, I like them all probably better than people you know, and um, at least most people. And um, <laughs> so the Trigger Girl book is about a character that in the original series we did with Phil Noto and Justin Gray was a character that um, pretty much the environment 
was was going to hell and animals were becoming extinct insanely quick in this period of time. And there was a scientist that was working with communication with animals and was able to make a breakthrough with them where they could actually communicate and learn that certain species are actually a lot smarter than we thought they were. Once they can communicate, they actually have skills. Anyway, the original story was about the animals creating, using DNA, animal DNA mixed with human DNA, creating a protective for them. And the name of the book is Trigger Girl 6 because there were five before her that didn't work out too well. Right. And um, she's, she's the one that works out. It's basically about her working for the animals, trying to protect the species, but also at the same time, because she was a test tube child, she has not developed a lot of her skills outside of being able to take people out and doing all these things. So it explores her relationship with the animals. It explores her relationship with other humans. So there we go. That's a bit of history on uh, the creation of the character, where it came from, and why Jimmy has returned to it. So, Petula, had you heard of Trigger Girl 6 before? No, but I love her. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't know about this because, like, Creator Own Heroes, when it came out in the, like, I think it was, like, 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, you know, a lot of people didn't see it on the comic shelves. And it was, a lot of cool stuff came out. One of the last things that Darwin Cook did as a series was in that book as well. And so the year after they did Creator Own Heroes, they released the story as a one-shot with everything put together because it was done in chapters in Creator Own Heroes. And then it's been about 10 years or so since, and it's returned. And as Jimmy talked about it, she's a character that was created by animals that worked with a scientist that was trying to stop the, the works of her son, who was the president, who was causing a number of species to go extinct. And in that first story, the Trigger Girl story, Trigger Girl 6, who's the sixth version of this hybrid uh, human animal that these animal scientists put together, basically she's originally sent to assassinate the president, but instead helps convince him of all the wrong he's done and kind of brings him on side to start caring about the animals. And that's where we kind of pick up here. It's been shortly after, probably about six months to a year, after the events of the first Trigger Girl. And in this, it's actually, like, it's still covering the fact that Trigger Girl is an entity out there trying to stop the death and extinction of animal species. But they delve a little bit deeper. Trigger Girl 6 decides, hey, you know what? I'm really only known as a number. I've only been alive for a year. I was born as an adult. I haven't gotten to experience life. I want to live a little. Just because she doesn't eat meat doesn't mean she doesn't want a bone. <laughs> yeah, so it's set up originally as sort of like a vacation trip for her. But of course, there are people, greedy people, who run a, I guess they're called like um, exotic animal banquets. I don't know the yeah, actual like official they, term. They're illegal. They cornered the market on like the Michelin stars of what you shouldn't eat. Yeah, and so it's like illegal gatherings where rich people can eat near extinct animals. And in the one at the beginning of the story, Trigger Girl breaks up one of such event where they were planning to kill and cook a dolphin. And those people, they were kind of unhappy that Trigger Girl has been stopping them from having their fun. And so they decide 
they're going to send assassins to kill Trigger Girl. And that's kind of the main crux of the story. Her evading assassination. And at the same time, learning about herself and learning what she likes, what she doesn't like, and possibly having a little romance. And becoming a pet person. Because even though she has these great relationships with all animals, she picks up her own little friend through sad circumstances. But like, I'm not going to lie. When we get to that, I was much more worried about the dog. I know what that says about me. The Trigger Girl character is one that I feel like there's tons of stuff you can do with it. Um, I'm kind of happy that he finally decided after a decade to come back and tell more stories with her. And uh, yeah, the possibilities are just kind of amazing what you can do with that character. But what I also loved about this is that this was like a classic, felt like a classic 80s action movie. Like in the sense, like one of the espionage adventure, actually like like bird on a wire or something like that, you know, it had that kind of feel. Including the Bond-esque interstitial pages that would be, would all make beautiful prints that I would probably go buy at a show and then not mount like I do with everything I buy at a show. And then I have piles of stuff just in the corner. Yeah, those were but designed by Amanda Connor. They look, they look awesome. They're gorgeous. So you have these beautiful sort of interstitials that you could imagine that kind of Batman animated or not. Batman live action music over like that. <laughs> and then you go into like the next section of the book and then it's kind of juxtaposed with like these really like beautiful kind of expository layered pages and all the animals like the the drawing you can tell the people who worked on this they definitely were in that kind of you know we've all seen the behind the scenes of those disney things where they like study like the pictures and the movement like all of the animals just look majestic like yeah no Juan yeah. santa cruz does a really good job of giving great detail to all the animals and i i feel like jimmy uh jimmy colored this as well during the pandemic he kind of picked up coloring and uh, he's he's now got a, a page rate at uh, the big two and everything for his coloring. But yeah, he he colored his own work here and uh, really vibrant, very vibrant. Definitely like that. He says he's just started coloring. It's I'm sure for some people it's maddening. Like, oh, so you just like decided <laughs> I'm just going to color now. It's like, oh, so do you think she just woke up one day and said law school? <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is it is really great. And they're already some of the things that we've noticed about other like artists and colors we like that there's definitely different kind of themes in terms of the colors that are used in different areas or different vibes anything that's uh, more natural has a certain set of shades and everything around trigger girl definitely seems almost designed to kind of give her the backdrop so that her hair and her eyes can really pop as well it's just very well thought out. I like especially the the use of color to let me know when she's talking to an animal, even in the talking bubbles. Right, right. So that you know, like when it's an animal conversation versus like a person conversation, which is very helpful when she's like having sort of the two conversations with like the dog and the old man. Too. Well, yeah, the old man's actually hilarious in that. When yeah. She's like, she's like, well, I have the ability to talk to animals. He's like, oh, okay, all right then. She's like, yeah. I have uh, hybrid DNA. He's like, all right. She's very much like he's getting kind of uncomfortable like okay this woman might be crazy <laughs> yeah here's the thing the story is like a trope seven layer dip you have not even tropes just you have things from other things including the oh god no our character that's constantly having violence in their life um stops to help an old man but really they should just avoid anybody vulnerable looking at you logan 
Professor X, you should have left that family alone still. (laughs) Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I love you, Patrick Stewart, but you're still Professor X sometimes, which means you're going to do horrible things. Anyway, point (laughs) is, you have like different tropes of like the the bad assassin that comes to them like if anything i wanted especially the first of the two to be a bit longer i would have loved a little more of getting to see the kind of antagonist assassin because he seems semi-competent but because of the brevity of this he has to get owned pretty quickly so he can move on to the next part of it the the conversation with the husband and wife even as they're kind of deciding who they're going to plot with or against the evil couple where the husband's basically like mason verger out of silence of the lamb series like half demolished person yeah he's basically like you can just picture him going kill me you know that's all right. <laughs> yeah yeah Ooh, he man. he was not that he could have put up much of a struggle but he definitely just wanted to get out of that marriage one way or another divorce death whatever just let it end well like the uh the butler manservant there i feel like you tell that you can tell it's like they must pay really well because he's so uncomfortable it's like it's like okay wheeling him in there okay all right i'll tell her you know he doesn't want you to have sex with other people how about that she's like no i'm gonna keep having sex with other people look Uh at him you know and he's like okay well that's all i could do sort of thing I mean, she did a lot of things I couldn't agree with. That I felt like no, no, that yeah, no, a little bit flexible. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, I get that. But I just, I feel as the butler, I would not want to be put in that situation. So they must pay really well. No, No. tough gig, tough gig for sure. Like, like already the amount of death that happens around them. Yeah, the amount of death that happens around them. That's bad enough. But to also have to deal with their interpersonal workings, he has to work as a liaison because the man can't talk. Yeah. It would have been fun if they'd made the butler a vegetarian. So it was even just more like objectionable to him, but he just like couldn't ever say anything. You just see him like like, eating a sad like salad that he has to like have his own little garden outside his quarters because there isn't a lot of veggie options available. Yeah. 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 But for me, the thing that I found most interesting is because I find Trivial Six or as she chooses to be called Six, I find Six to be such an interesting character because of how much you can create because there's it's so newish. Like everything is new to her in a sense. So it's like there's so much you can do with that. I love the fact that the idea is that she's the perfect warrior, that she's out there and she's, you know, she can't be stopped. She can she can save the day. And it's like if you just had that as the character, well that would be like a Mary Sue sort of thing. Well you know she's gonna win every time. But what I love is that Jimmy adds in the layer of, but she doesn't truly know herself. And that is her true conflict. And because of that, that's how we get this story. That's where the other conflicts come from in this. In a story where it's kind of action driven and also has an environmental message to it to also play that interesting look at character. Now they kind of do that in the first series as well, but not to the extent they do here. And I feel like it was really cool how much Jimmy delved into that. But also another great trope, which I don't know where I first saw it, but it was definitely on YouTube and it's called Born Sexy Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. With with our favorite being Lulu. And right. they, she even has almost a similar haircut, but it's like, I'm new to a world, but I have the body of like an adult woman who could be a lingerie model and I'm vicious, but I'm, I'm new to the ways of love. 
But she learns yeah. seduction very fast. I will say that. I, I <laughs> Not, mean, it's very clunky. Work in. It's very, yeah. yeah, it's very clunky, but she gets naked and says, do I excite you? <laughs> and That's, then giggles at his, uh, that is the, what original... we assume because it's off camera, yeah. off page. Yeah. We assume she's like, I'm oh, not that. <laughs> That's the original way to flirt. In my opinion, yeah, you know? like so, she yeah. picked that up. She picked up the basic instincts, not basic instinct, but the basic instincts of flirtation yeah. and arousal. Yeah, yeah. She did miss the again typical, like the he walked me to the door and I I swerved when he tried to kiss me and then realized afterwards. But she quickly comes around. Yeah, or quickly come. I don't know. Well, let's hope that yeah. she didn't quickly come. Let's hope she enjoyed herself, had time, or, or did and did it a few times. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, I mean, we we know she's got all kinds of different animals in her. Who knows what they gave her in terms of uh, refraction time there. My the, favorite line in that scene was that I'm only like a very small percent of mantis. <laughs> Wait, baby, I'm not going to eat off your head after we're done. Let's get going. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But uh, the one thing for me that sticks out and kind of stayed in my head throughout the story and then found out, oh, this really had no effect on it whatsoever. And I felt like it's not really a loose plot thread, but it's just like it's a throwaway that I thought meant more. And that is when the one guy who is basically blackmailed into hiring the assassin sends the assassin out there, he says to him, I had to pay a lot of money to somebody to get this information. And it sounded like, oh, somebody within the government uh, secrets, like the Secret Service detail sold them out. But then none of them did. So like pretty much part of me the entire time was thinking, I say, is it Agent Noah? Is it the other guys? But then the other guys kind of get taken out of the story pretty quickly. And then I'm like, but it can't be Noah because Noah seems to be too on board with helping six. So what is this? And then it turns out, oh, it was just a line. And that was to me was sort of like, oh, okay. That seemed like the, the way the wording was, it sounded very much to me like somebody was betraying for money. Yeah, or maybe it was just a series of people like, you know, a transpo person, like maybe somebody who helped set up the trackers, like maybe it was just paying a bunch of little people chunks of money. But yeah, we didn't get like a, oh, maybe the president really double crossed her, which I thought is where they might have been heading with that. But it's like, to me, it's very much like because it's such a, it's a two issue story. It kind of has the uh, the loaded gun uh, scenario to me is that, you know, you mentioned if you write a loaded gun into a short story, that better get fired by the end of it. Otherwise, why'd you work the gun in the first place? So that little line to me felt like a loaded gun that I thought was going to pay off, but it didn't. But again, that's a very small, that's a small nitpick in this story. Overall, the story is a lot of fun. And as you said, really plays with the tropes of your action adventure, of your action romance of your spy story jimmy shows that he he knows those storylines very well yeah the the much more competent woman where the guy's just sort of back up and clean up he's great supporting character yeah he's a great sort of you know he is the typical like kind of girlfriend role that's right she's everything he's just agent noah yeah he does drive through he drives through things well he does he does walls other boats like that's he, his real. He knows how to make an entrance. Definitely. He's, he's great at penetrating. That's basically his <laughs> main job in this book. His job is to say, penetrate in many ways, many ways. My, yes. My fantasy. What if crossover is tiger and lucky from Hawkeye? Just like having adventures. Yeah. <laughs> Between them, they got 
A legs, great heart, two good eyes. Yeah, yeah. They got a pair of eyes between them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just love to see the two of them like sharing a pizza one table over from like Lady and the Tramp. Mm. Like planning their next job. Yeah. And that's but, where it could start. But yeah, Tiger, like a lot of great stuff came from Tiger. Of course, there's the when you get Tiger's monologue to explain his relationship to the old man and everything like that. It's very sweet. It's like Oh, he's your best friend too, right? Because you know they always say dogs uh, are a person's best friend. Yeah, and uh, and he was like really the wife's best friend, but he'll settle for the old man even though he forgets to brush him sometimes. Yeah, well, he does. He does say he says he goes, but that's okay. He's my best friend. So yeah. it's like, oh, that's right. And then later when Tiger gets his revenge, oh yeah, that was like, yeah, that shows that you know it's like, oh, you really, you really had a connection. Well, you weren't just living in some guy's house. You know, you you felt the loss, which was very cool. Dogs love a ball. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. They're going to go fetch it whenever they can. Definitely. You betcha. The other thing I like is when Tiger's introduced into that, he, uh, the old man mentions, he goes, yeah, I got Tiger at home. And she's like, oh, you're friends with a tiger? I'm friends with a tiger as well. And he's like, no, that's, that's the name of my dog. And he is, even though it's still panels, you can tell that he probably stared at her for a good like 20 seconds. Like, what's up with you? <laughs> sort of thing. So yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the little bits of comedy are, are are layered in there well. Yeah, there's subtle stuff, and then there's sort of kind of straight ahead dad jokes that it keeps. It's a great joke density as well yeah. all throughout the book. And that's pretty much you know uh, Palmiotti's style. He likes to put in the funny, he likes to put in the action, likes to have a little bit of sex in there, mostly as he, boobs. As he in puts it one. into because yeah. uh, he goes, that's what my readers like. They like a mix of that stuff, so I put it in there, and uh, yeah. Very articulated nipples on both our uh, protagonist and our antagonist. Yeah, I think it's, well, like one was taking place in a very cold place and the other, maybe the water was kind of cold in right. that other situation. So there yeah. you go. Well, yeah, she is leaning over a fridge with an open bathrobe. So. There you go. Yes. Yeah. See, It's so. not Butler's fault he's staring down. Of course not. Of yeah. course not. Juan Santa Cruz does a pretty good job of uh, capturing the same kind of feel that Phil Noto brought to the first Trigger Girl 6 story. And uh, yeah, the action stuff is great, as we talked about earlier. And just the the amount of detail in there is really well done. And colors are great. I, I would have never known this was done by a new colorist. They hadn't told us. There you go. Yeah. Jimmy hadn't outed himself. Yeah. Mm. There you go. All right. So, uh, of course, Trigger Girl 6 was a Kickstarter. Um, if you got a chance to have um, contributed to that Kickstarter, uh, I know that the already the digital version is out to you. The physical version is coming. It's shipping right now, I think. And uh, hopefully it'll eventually get a, a wider release at some point. Some of uh, Jimmy's Kickstarters have in the past through Image. Maybe this one will as well. And uh, then everybody can check it out. In the meantime, some of the artwork from Trigger Girl 6 Justice is available online to check out as well. But yeah, I really enjoyed this story. It's marvelous. And yeah, if you can even see if you could get prints of those interstitials, like legit everyone is mountable phrasing. <laughs> And of course, all the all the uh, covers, like the multiple covers that were provided, all of them are in the back of the digitals to check out. So there you go. Um, so yes, that brings us to the end of another episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Patula, where can the good folks find you? At unitif.com on Hive, Spoutable, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, the other place. At Obesa Cantao at O-B-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T. 
and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekcardshow.com. Follow me on the other site at geekcard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post the new episodes every week. Of course, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And, uh, you know, that way you'll get it. You know, leave a five-star rating and review. That will help us out. And, uh, yeah, just uh, listen to more of us talking about comics because we love talking about comics and we want you to, to hear us talk about comics. And all we ask in return is that you hear what we're saying. That's all. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Victoria Young. Have yourself a good... <laughs>